Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the No Lasting City podcast. I'm Scott Corian, and I'm your host. And with me again today is my friend J.C. Basinger, uh, joining us to finish our discussion on the deconversion phenomena. And uh, if you're just joining us, uh, this is part three of uh, this discussion. In the, the first two episodes, we talked a little bit about just what's the deconversion phenomena, what it is, and some general patterns. And then last week, we looked specifically at uh, Abraham Piper and some of his concerns uh, that uh, we we picked up uh, on TikTok. And in this in this last episode, we're we're just going to talk about some of the implications of this reality, this unfortunate reality. Uh, first for Christian parents, uh, then for Christian churches, and then finish just with a, a couple of uh, pastoral words. So, uh, JC, thanks for being uh, with me again today. Oh, it's my pleasure, Scott. Good to chat with you about these important matters, and it's always good to be on your podcast. So thank you. Yeah, these are these are important things and important things to wrestle with and think about. And and uh, today, JC, just we really wanted to get practical. And so let's jump right in and talk, first of all, about some of the implications uh, uh, for Christian parents. And I think we said uh, in the first episode in this series, we, we talked about the fact that you know, all of the deconversions that we're, we're hearing about and seeing, it it does as parents, and we're both parents with, with kids in the home, uh, it, it does raise anxiety. It raises, it raises fears. You know, it makes you ask, uh, you know, what should I be doing or what can I do uh, to try to protect my kids from this? I mean, these are the things that we, we all struggle with. So let, let's kick that around a little bit, JC. What, what are some of the implications uh, for, for parents in light of, you know, the deconversions that we're seeing? And I, I guess tied to that, as we've talked about, just the in seemingly increasing post-Christian environment that our kids are growing up in. Yeah, as I think about just my own journey with with Elizabeth and parenting and um, thinking through how as parents do we train our children um, and shepherd them and disciple them in the fear and the admonition of the Lord, one of the implications I, I think about is that um, to take that role Seriously, uh, one of the things that part of that is to to pray for our children to to pray that um, they would own the faith of themselves, to pray that they would uh, find godly friendships, to pray that they come to a place where it's not mom and dad's faith, and they're not going to church because we're asking them to go, or maybe as they're younger bringing them along with us, whether they want to or not, but that they get to a place where they go because they believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God, that he's lived, died and rose again, that they believe that being a part of a church community is important for their faith. Um, so those are one of the things. What about you? What are your thoughts? Yeah, that, that that's really good. And that, that I was thinking some of the same things. Um, you know, our our we're both in a denomination, JC, that that has the the practice of infant baptism. I know not, perhaps not everyone who who's listening to this would, would share that conviction, but 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 we do, and and our denomination does. Um, 
And one of the things that I had to do and that every parent has to do when their children are baptized as, as members of the church is you have to take a set of vows before the church body. Um, so it's actually a pretty weighty occasion as a parent. It's not just about your child right. being baptized. It's about commitments that you're making before God to your child and to the church. And I, I found myself just rethinking about some of the substance of those vows, that which go mm-hmm. back hundreds and hundreds of years. I mean, this is what Christian parents have been promising to do. And I, I don't know that we need to reinvent the wheel here. I mean, just because culture's changing a little bit, I mean, there's nothing new under the sun. Our, our responsibilities as parents uh, to our children, um, we don't need to overcomplicate it. And uh, so some of the things you already hit on, one of the things that you vow to do when you, when, is you promise to pray for your child. Uh, for right. some of the things that you just mentioned. I mean, of course, uh, we we believe that ultimately anybody's salvation, including our own children's, is a work of God by His Holy Spirit. It's it's not something that we can manufacture or guarantee by by perfect parenting uh, right. or, or anything like that. And so, uh, one of the, one of the things we we promise to do before God is we promise to pray for our child. Um, um, the other thing that we uh, that that are part of those vows, which I think is really important to remember, is is we promise to set a godly example for them. In other words, we're we're basically promising, you know, part of how we're going to faithfully parent our child is by being a faithful Christian myself, and, and seeking to follow Christ myself, and seeking to grow in love of God and love for neighbor myself. And that is just so being, important. And I think sometimes we forget that. I mean, that is an important aspect of how we parent our children. It's not just about telling them things. It's about them seeing the reality in us, because our example is either going to strengthen or detract from whatever we're trying to teach our kids. And as uh, someone, I mean, I've heard this phrase over and over again over the years, and I genuinely believe it's true. You can't give away to your children what you don't have yourself. Right. Um, I mean, that's true in a lot of different contexts. You can't get get away what you don't have. And that's certainly true as we think about parenting our kids. And so part of it is just, how can I, what are the implications of for this? I need to pursue Christ more myself and uh, you, you seek to, to live a life that, that, that exemplifies that. Uh, and then the, the, the last part, and maybe we can finish here, is, is that part of the vows is you promise to try to be intentional with your kids about teaching them the, what the Christian faith is all about teaching them about Jesus, reading the Bible with them, uh, those kinds of things. Um, and so really part of the, part of, I think the implications for parents in light of this is just to re-embrace our calling to see the home as a place where discipleship needs to happen. Um, because, you know, if we're not communicating the faith with our kids, you know, there's no neutrality out there. Some, somebody else is going to step in and fill the void, Right. And I don't know about you, JC, I have found that sometimes Christians you know, can be very passive on this and, and don't seem to engage their kids and where they're at in their walk very, very much. You know, you, how's your child doing? Well, I don't really know. We don't talk about it that much. And I think sometimes there's a react. The, the idea seems to be, well, you know, I don't want to push my faith on my kids, uh, which is which is understandable. You know, we can't, you know, we, we don't want, you, you can be overbearing, but at the same time, you know, that, that assumes that there, there's 
a neutral space out there. And there's just not. And if we're not positively trying to instruct our kids in what the Bible has to say, then somebody else is going to stop, uh, step in and teach them how to see the world in a totally different way, uh, right? And uh, so part of, I, I think, the implications is we just need to double down on being intentional with our kids about appropriately trying to instruct them, engage them in conversation, and just know where they're at, spiritually speaking. Do you have any thoughts on that? I think that's so key. And the word that you use that um, I completely agree with and encourage any parent listening there is the word intentionality. And that can cut a couple different ways. One could be being intentional in the, the proactive teaching, training, uh, reading God's word, uh, teaching them um, who God is, who Jesus is, who the Holy Spirit is, teaching them basic Christian living. The other intentional aspect, and you use this term too, is engagement, which could just be simple questions like, hey, son or daughter, where where are you at with the Lord? Um, what, what's he teaching you? Uh, how are things going in church? Those simple questions just to try to engage them. And I think one of the important things is not engaging to respond to whatever they're saying, whether it's right or wrong, but really to hear where they are at. And that can help direct your prayers. It can help direct your teaching. If they say something that seems a little off, you can correct them in a loving and gentle way, maybe at that moment or maybe sometime later. And just that those two key words, intentional and engagement, I think are, are what we need to be really as Christian parents. Our responsibility and our role is to teach them in the faith, the train them in the faith through not only our words, but also through our lifestyle and example. So maybe to transition then, the, the, the last thing, and I, I've encouraged parents uh, in over the years in this way as well, and I think this is also an implication given the reality we're seeing, is is just for, for parents to to remember that they're not an island and they don't have to do this alone. In other words, uh, God has given, discipleship is to happen in the family, but it doesn't end there. And God has given the church and a whole community of faith and believers, not only to strengthen and encourage us as we go through seasons of doubt and difficulty, but also our children. And so part of how we we um, lead our families is just to be invested and committed in a in a local church community. And that's partly how we serve our kids too, because it puts them in, in a position where there's they're seeing other uh, uh, men and women of faith who go through ups and downs and hearing other stories of people who have doubts and struggles. And, and it's not, they're not just looking at us, in other words. Uh, and they're, they're, they're being blessed by other men and women who have um, you know gifts of teaching and, and they're in Sunday school and all these other things. And so part of implications for parents here is just how important it is to, to connect our kids to the body of Christ uh, as they're, as they, particularly as they grow older, but, but even, even early on. And that's something that we can give them uh, because just like us, they also need that, that great cloud of witnesses to encourage them uh, through, through their whole life. So important. And so often I think it can be overlooked, whether it's busyness uh, of schedule or general fatigue, thinking of getting the family ready and getting the church and being there uh, may seem overwhelming, but you need to 
look at the the longer term gain of, of what it means to be a part of a community like, like a like a local church and have, as you said, just other men and women pouring into you, but also into your children. That's right. And so let's transition there, JC. So we talked about what you know the implications for parents as far as this this deconversion phenomena. What about the church? You know, you and I are both leading church plants. Um, what are some of the implications for for what we want our churches to be like, uh, given where we're at as a society, and given the fact that we may have many youth, but honestly, some adults too, who, who are really wrestling with their faith and 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 struggling with doubt. Um, uh, what, what do you have to? What do you think about that? Yeah, I think, um, and we've talked about this before that our churches we want to be kind of a a haven for those that are exploring the faith maybe afresh for the first time or those that what we would call de-churched you know those that grew up in the faith but for some reason haven't been in church in a long time i think the key really for for our church and i would assume you would agree with this is that we need to be a church that goes deep so often um, churches are seen as, I think, shallow and rely on worn cliches, and they don't really have answers for the questions that are being asked. But we do have the resources to answer the questions that are being asked in the gospel. And I think really a, a church that's committed to not moralistic therapeutic deism, which is, you know, God wants you to be happy and he wants you to be good. And God God will come when you need him, but otherwise he's he's out taking a rock a, a walk. But a God who is near and has acted in time and space and has done something beautiful and marvelous in the personal work of Jesus Christ, I think we offer a better story than the deconstruction story. And we need to double down on that story. That was along the lines of one of the things I was thinking of, which is one of the implications is our as churches, yeah, we we have to take seriously the Great Commission, which isn't just you know making converts. That's part of it, but teaching everything that Jesus said. You know, doing the whole yeah you know, everything the Bible says, and actually equipping people uh, to know not just what we believe, but as my old seminary professor would say, famously, why they believe it you know, focus on equipping, not just entertaining. And and that does mean dealing in publicly um, in our preaching and our teaching with some of the pressure points that the society is putting on the church. Um, you know, we need to be willing to to preach on topics where we know people are, are wrestling with what the Bible has to say about it, because the culture's pressing on the church on exactly those things. You know, we, we have to be willing to to speak to these things in church because otherwise where else where else are people going to hear what God's has to has to say about it? You know, the world is giving their answers and so we have to be willing to to respond to those and and our kids and our youth should should you know be able to hear answers in the church to hard questions. And yeah, we can't avoid hard questions and, and giving answers to them because believe me, the world's push, pushing on it. And, um, and we're seeing a lot of deconversions precisely because people have said, I, I don't have answers for this. The Christian faith doesn't seem to have answers for this. And uh, as I think you pointed out, there are answers, but but 
are we are we passing those along effectively? Um, and part of that too is, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this as well, JC. But we have to have a church culture. It's not just about you know having a church that is doing a lot of serious discipleship and teaching. That's important. But we need to have a culture. I think. Uh, where it's safe for people to express their their doubts and struggles with faith. I mean, I, I was thinking about some of the Psalms recently, reading through the Psalms, and you get to Psalm 10, Psalm 13, and you realize so many of of these of these psalmists they had deep struggles that they were openly talking about and trying to pray through. You know, where are you, God? Why have you forgot? Why have you forgotten me? You know, why, why does it seem like? There's so much wickedness out there, and you do nothing. I mean, uh, all, it, and and there's an openness to it, and they're 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 wrestling with these struggles in the community of faith. And one of the things, going back to to Piper's TikTok videos, that uh, caught my attention was he has one video addressed to kids who were raised or are still in what he calls fundamentalist homes. And uh, he's got 60 seconds of advice for them. And basically what he says is, hey, I, if, if that's you, I just want you to know this. It's it's not disrespectful to ask questions. It's not yeah. disrespectful to disagree. You're not bucking authority. Um, and so whether it's, you know, his perspective clearly seems to be, whether it's accurate or not, I don't know, that that he wasn't able to ask questions or express doubts without getting shut down. And, you know, it, I, I, I don't know. It just, it just seems, and, and I've heard that from, as I've read other deconversion stories as well. And so we've just got to fight for a culture where people can honestly ask what they're really thinking without that kind of fear so that we can engage them. Right. I, I think that's absolutely right. And I, I actually think this relates to, to the first thing we talked about with parents. And in both of these scenarios, we need to be in a posture and a place where we can hear somebody's doubts, hear somebody's questions, hear somebody's concerns, and just be patient with, with hard questions and not for our own selves settle for pat answers, but to really... Uh, if there is an answer to give it with, with grace and nuance and precision. And uh, Jude one twenty two says, have mercy on those who doubt. And I think oftentimes personally for me, fear kicks in that if I don't answer it right, or if I don't shut down the doubt that uh, I'm going to lose the person, whether it's my own child or somebody in the church and Really, I think the call is to to go for the longer walk with them and walk with them through those doubts patiently as what we're called to be, Scott, as shepherds, to care for those people well. JC, it, I don't know who's all listening to this. I know uh, just being a pastor in a church for 10 years, I've had conversations over the years with parents who are who are struggling and very concerned for their children. Uh, who were did grow up in the church, but at least right now have uh, either totally rejected the faith, kind of like Abraham Piper, uh, or have, are just not not embracing it, not not walking in it. And um, so, I want to have a, a just a couple of words for for if if uh, for struggling parents, for parents who, who have seen their kids deconvert or are or seen them maybe um, be tempted by that. 
um, you know, what, 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 what do we say to them, JC? I think first my heart goes out to those parents that um, are in that situation. And uh, so that, that's number one is just um, we're here for you uh, as pastors. If you need to, to reach out and, and talk to somebody, uh, I know Scott, you'd be more than willing to do it uh, myself as well, just to, to sit with you and to listen and to pray for. But on, on the answer, uh, more to that question, I would just encourage you that the story is not written yet mm-hmm. yeah. and that God is, is a God who um, is gracious, a God who is good, and a God who is with you um, as your child is going through their struggles with, with their faith. God is present with you. And um, as he promises, he will never leave you nor forsake you. So whatever situation in your in, I would uh, encourage you in to rest as difficult as that may be uh, to rest in the goodness of God's character. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I mean, Philippians four is a powerful promise here. Take these anxieties and they are real anxieties. Um, lift them to God and just pray for that, that peace, which surpasses understanding. And I think that does come when we remember what you just said, God is faithful. God is gracious. And ultimately he loves our children even more than we do. And as you said, the the story is not over. Prodigals do come home. Even Piper, if I think we mentioned this, but he let, he was excommunicated at 19. Then he came back and then he left again. And, and we don't, you know, he, he very well may be, um, and we ought to pray for him and for all of these stories that we hear that, uh, that they would come back. And, uh, but, but God is certainly at work. Um, what, what about anyone listening, uh, JC, who may be in the process of deconverting themselves or, or really just feeling, just really struggling with doubt about, uh, their, their faith? Uh, what, what encouragements uh, would you give them? Yeah, I would encourage um, anybody listening that, that's in that place that you're not alone and that your your doubts have probably been expressed throughout the history of the church. Uh, not to, to minimize your doubts, but just to say that uh, you're not going through this alone and to reach out to um, a trusted Christian, maybe uh, a friend or a pastor or somebody in your community, and go to somebody that listens to your, your doubts and questions, not to shoot you down, but to to engage you and to care for you and to, to show you uh, the love of Christ. Uh, I'd also encourage you that there are plenty of uh, good resources out there that can answer probably most or, or all the questions that you may have. There may be questions you have that there is no answer, um, that it's one of those things where, where God who who does something that um, we aren't in liberty to say, uh, as God says in his word, his ways are not our ways. There may be some things going on that we don't have the answer to uh, because he's the creator and we're the creation. But I would just encourage uh, anyone that's in the midst of deconstructing, uh, has the doubts, has the questions, is really uh, considering leaving the, the Christian faith, is to 
that you're not alone and to, to find somebody to um, express those to and find somebody that will listen to you and dialogue with you. Be willing to dialogue about it. Right. Take those doubts into the community of faith, kind of like the psalmist did. Um, exactly. And the only thing I'd add to that is, is just don't, don't fall for, for, for sound bites. Um, and, and to use a term that I know Tim Keller uses doubt, be willing to doubt your doubts. Uh, because there is this narrative out there that, you know, uh, leaving religion is religion is all based on faith and becoming secular. Well, that's just rational. And that narrative just isn't true. You know, it, a secular worldview has a lot of holes in it as well. It's not it's just not that simple as Christians live by faith and believe ridiculous things and secular people live by reason. I mean, that's the narrative that's often given when you read this, but there's a lot of faith commitments involved in, in secularism. And we don't have the time here to, to go into that, but uh, there's a lot of holes in that worldview um, and be willing to, to probe those and wrestle with those um, uh, as well, because I think that's often, often overlooked. Well, um, thanks again for joining me, JC, and I, I think it will, we'll wrap up our, our three-part series on deconversion here, but uh, it was uh, good stuff to, to chat about, think about. I hope for those listening, it was somewhat informative, hopefully encouraging, and uh, we will be back again next time for another episode of No Lasting City. Thanks for joining us. Thank you.